Well, if you turn in the Bible to um, Habakkuk 3, verse 2, I'm going to I'll put the reference in the chat so that you know. Habakkuk 3, verse 2, a well-known verse. Um, not that I'm going to expound this verse particularly. I just want to use this as the starting point for uh, to try and encourage us in these matters. Um, where Habakkuk begins his prayer, his great prayer in chapter three. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. Now, uh, there in that passage, the word that is used is the word revive and um it is a verb, what we were taught at school. Verbs are doing words. It's an active word. Um, and in fact, the, 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 the noun revival never occurs in scripture. But the verb, of course, apply, uh, uh, appears a number of times and a number of times in the Psalms. Um, not always, I have to say, in the old authorized tra translation, translated revive. But it is the same word that is used here in Habakkuk 3 verse 2. And um, sadly, there are some people in the in the United Kingdom. Um, I don't know whether there are some in the States. I have no idea. But certainly some in the United Kingdom who are arguing that we should not pray for revival. Now, I, I disagree with that um, position very strongly. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I, I think this prayer call is such an important and vital part and certainly early on in the in the call, and I'm, I'm not sure, I'm pretty certain it was Stephen wrote it in an email, but forgive me, Stephen, if I'm misquoting you. Um, but certainly um, in the very early days when I started joining the prayer call, um, certainly somebody mentioned um, this uh, statement. I want to just read it, uh, read it to you. In October, AD 1744, a number of ministers in Scotland, taking into consideration the state of God's church and of the world of mankind, judged that the providence of God at such a day did loudly call upon such as were concerned for the welfare of Zion to united extraordinary prayers to the God of all grace, that he would appear in his glory and favour Zion and manifest his compassion to the world of mankind, by an abundant effusion of his Holy Spirit on all the churches and the whole habitable earth, to revive true religion in all parts of Christendom and to deliver all nations from their great and manifold spiritual calamities and miseries and bless them with the unspeakable benefits of the kingdom of our glorious Redeemer and, and fill the whole earth with his glory. Consulting one another on the subject... Con consulting one another on the subject, they looked upon themselves for their own part, obliged to engage in this duty and as far as in them lay, to persuade others to the same and to endeavour to find out and fix on some method that should most effectually tend to promote and uphold such extraordinary application to heaven among God's people. And um, whoever gave us that, and I, I bless you, I think it was you, Stephen, made this comment. And I think this is so profound and so important. And I, I think we ought to constantly keep this in mind. Our forefathers understood the necessity to set aside seasons of extraordinary prayer. 
Do we think that somehow we will enter into the promised land of blessing without it? Now, how important that is, how wonderful it is that this prayer meeting has been uh, going on now for so many days. Uh, and I know we have a, a number in the 700s, but I believe the actual praying has been going on for longer than even the 700s, because I don't think we actually started at the beginning. But that's so, so important and so wonderful. Last week, I was not able to be on the prayer call because for much of the week, I was at a theological studies conference in the United Kingdom. And one of the papers that was presented and that we we discussed at length for about the paper was um, probably three quarters of an hour. And then we discussed for probably uh, getting on for an hour after that uh, was on genuine, or at least the subtitle was genuine conversion in the works of Jonathan Edwards. And uh, Jonathan Edwards said to us uh, or, or wrote uh, and spoke at the time that when we see great works of God, we must make no final judgments before the time. And he spoke a lot about regeneration and conversion and what he called hypocrites. Now, for him, hypocrites were the, the people who were self-deceived. It wasn't they were deliberately out to confuse us, which is what how we would certainly we would often use the word. But they were people who thought they were converted, but probably were not genuinely converted. How were we to find out? How could we try at least to discern this? Well, as I'm sure you all know, Jonathan Edwards had his uh, 12 uh, um, signs that were no sure signs, no certain signs of revival and 12 distinguishing signs of true conversion of the work of God in the soul of man. So you could have the 12 signs, if you like, uh, to show that it wasn't genuine, and 12 signs that if you were really genuine, they were likely to be indeed true, the true work of, of revival. Now, he was very, very concerned, as you know, for uh, revival and for the blessing of God. And uh, only a few days ago, I was I was reading some of these incidents in Jonathan Edwards myself. And there is um, a letter that Jonathan Edwards wrote to a Mr. John Erskine on the 15th of November, 1750. And he referred to um, the fact that they lived in a very dark day. And they were talking about the need to pray for God's blessing in the United States. But they were also remarking about the life and the witness of Dr. Philip Doddridge in the UK. Now, that immediately caught my eye because I wrote a thesis for, for some of my um, uh, theological degrees uh, on Philip Doddridge. And I've always had a love for him uh, because I was um, born very close to one of the villages where he began his life, his first life in Leicestershire in, in, in Great Britain. And I've always been fascinated by his life. And um, in this letter, Jonathan Edwards says this, um, I cannot but rejoice at some things which I have seen that have been lately published in England. Some things of Dr. Doddridge's, and he talks about his rise and progress uh, um, and, and so on. And, he, and, and um, Edwards goes on to say this, I confess it is a thing that gives me much hope 
that there are so many on this side the ocean united in the concert of prayer proposed from Scotland. I had lately a letter from Governor Belcher, I don't know who he is, but someone uh, in, the, in the States. And in the postscript, he sent me a letter he had lately received from Dr. Doddridge. And uh, this man wrote this about Doddridge. Nor did I ever know a finer class of young preachers for its number than that which God has given me this year to send out into the churches. Yet are not all the supplies here as elsewhere adequate to their necessities, but I hope God will prosper the schemes we are forming for their assistance. I bless God that in the middle parts of our island, peace and truth prevail in sweet harmony. And I think God is reviving our cause or rather his own cause, sensibly, though in a gentle and almost unobserved manner. And I think that's a great encouragement, friends, when perhaps we feel discouraged to keep on praying and go on praying. Uh, I think it was Angela, I, I only joined the very end of the call yesterday, but I think it was Angela saying that she is hearing of events of revival or of blessing, if not full revival. How wonderful. Well, let's continue to pray that the Lord will go on and lead us in these things. And uh, Jonathan Edwards went on to speak of um, the prayer that Philip Doddridge had been involved with in the UK. And he speaks about uh, those in New England in the States. And he said this, we ought not only to praise God for everything that appears favorable to the interests of religion and to pray earnestly for a general revival but also to use the means that are proper in order to it. And I thought that was so encouraging for us to consider as we pray, that we might continue to pray that the Lord will revive his work in the States, in, the, in Britain, in Canada, in Cambodia, in all the different places that are represented by this prayer call, and that God would encourage us in these days in our praying. I've had the privilege of visiting India many, many times over the years, uh, probably probably 20 times maybe uh, in recent years. I've also been able to visit the Philippines uh, probably a similar number of times and to preach there and to see God working in a mighty way. I, some of the things that I have seen and witnessed in, the, in, in India particularly I hesitate to call them what I might say full-blown revival, but certainly great works of God. Uh, uh, on one occasion, I went out to India uh, probably 15 years ago now, and uh, the pastors were really quite discouraged. And I said to them, what, you know, what is the matter? What is the problem? And they said, well, we think the Lord is not pleased with us. I said, why? Why things are happening here? Well, they said last month in the, in the 14 or so churches, we only saw 20 people converted. Now, I don't know about you, but if we saw in 14 churches in Britain, 20 people converted today, we would think revival had come. So I said, well, that's an encouragement. No, no, they said, the previous month, we saw 45 people converted. We think we are displeasing the Lord. We think we have sinned against him. What can we do that the Lord will bless us again? And I thought, what a rebuke that was to me, 
I've been in the ministry for many years in Britain. It's hard. And we, we haven't seen that kind of, if we saw 45 people converted in just in the few churches in our area, I think we would certainly think that revival had come. And yet here were the dear saints in India thinking that they were discouraged because they'd seen so little. And yet it was so much more than what we had seen. And I just think we need to be encouraged and we need to keep on praying and looking to the Lord and encouraging ourselves in these matters. Now, uh, somebody mentioned the other day this book by uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And um, I, I just want to read a little section from this as I close today to inspire us to keep praying. I think this is so, in, well, it's so challenging uh, to me and I trust to you. And he asks in this chapter, it's page 89 in the book, if you want to look it up later. Do we know a grief because of the state of God's cause? Are we concerned about his glory and his honor amongst the people? To what extent do we feel a longing and a desire for the manifestation of God and his glory? How often do we say to ourselves, oh, that he would arise and scatter our enemies? Or are we simply thinking of in terms of our activities and the success of our church or some organization we might happen to be interested in? Is it God-centered? Is it a grief for God's sake? Is it a desire that he may manifest his glory again? That is what always appears in times of revival. Not that the church may be benefit, benefited, not even that the people may come crowding into the church. No, the primary thing is that God and his glory may be known. That is the primary concern. And then he goes on to speak about this and he says, I'm not asking you whether you're doing the done thing in the Christian life. I'm asking whether you really have got a grief in your heart and your mind because of the state of the unbeliever. Do we know much about what the fathers used to call a burden for souls? Does the thing press in upon us? Now, Christian people, it should, if we really believe what we claim to believe, if we really believe that those people are dishonoring God and that they are going to hell, it should be a burden to us. But it is not, again, because we are so busy, because we do not stop to think and work it out, because we do not anal analyze it because of our inadequate notion of God and his glory and of the real state of these people? Is there not an absence of this godly concern, this burden for the souls of the lost? And then he goes on to speak at some length about proving this and demonstrating it and what the test is. And then he goes on in this way. Let me just read this as we close. A lack of burden for the souls of the lost then leads to a lack of really urgent prayer. It leads to a lack of prayer that is really hopeful and expectant. There is praying and praying. And true prayer is only possible when men and women have a God consciousness, when they know what it is to realize the presence of the Holy God, when they, have the, when they begin to have a zeal for his holy name, and for his cause, and a compassion for souls, and a feeling of the pressure of the burden of their condition on their spirits. It is then, and then only, that we truly pray. Or we can be whipped up to prayer, but that is not prayer. 
we can organize this thing, but that is not prayer. People are always ready to be organized because it is so much easier to do things we are commanded to do and told how to do it than really to be alone, as it were, with just God and ourselves facing this matter and going on doing so. That is the way to prayer. It is the only way to prayer. It seems to me, says Dr. Lloyd-Jones, that the diagnosis of the condition, therefore, is that today, that today our essential trouble is that we are content with a very superficial and preliminary knowledge of God, his being and his cause. And content with that, we spend our lives in busy activism instead of pausing to realize the possibilities, instead of realizing our own failure and realizing that we are not attracting anybody to Christ and that they probably see nothing in us that makes them desire to come to him. The inevitable and constant preliminary to revival has always been a thirst for God, a thirst, a living thirst for the knowledge of the living God and a longing and a burning desire to see him acting, manifesting himself and his power, rising and scattering his enemies. Well, my friends, I hope that we are inspired and encouraged, challenged, but encouraged by these words this morning. Thank you.